Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, pay dirt! Pay dirt! Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pay Dirt, a Penn State football show. Along with former Penn State and NFL quarterback Matt McGloin, I'm Tom Hannafin. This show is brought to you by our sponsors, Funk Brewing, the official craft beer partner of Pater. We're big fans of Funk Citrus IPA and Silent Disco IPA, but don't forget our official beer, the Pater IPA, is available in Funk's tasting rooms, beer distributors, and grocery stores right now. Funk has so many great beers to choose from at their tap rooms in Emmaus, Elizabethtown, and York in Pennsylvania. You can find a variety of Funk Brewing beers at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products must be 21 years or older to purchase please drink responsibly also football is back of course and bet online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season you'll find the latest odds matchup info player news and game trends and as your continued source for all sports wagering info bet online features live betting free contests live scores and giveaways all season long bet online is always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like major league baseball MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. PayDirt is presented by BetOnline, where the game starts. Also, we invite you to head to shop.believe.com, that's shop.b-l-e-a-v.com, and search PayDirt for our two t-shirts. One has the official show logo over the heart. It comes in white, navy blue, and black. Then the other is a navy blue t-shirt. It has the PayDirt wordmark over the heart and on the back. Circa the 2012 Penn State football season, it has Matt McGloin's name and number. It's very fitting as this season of Nittany Lion football marks the 10-year anniversary of that team. Again, head to shop.believe.com, that's shop.b-l-e-a-v.com, and search Pater for our two t-shirts. And I want to thank you all for tuning in on ESPN Radio State College, as well as checking out the podcast version of this show presented by the Believe Network, which is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, hit us up on Twitter and let us know what you think of the show at ESPN Radio 1037, at McGloin QB 11, and at Tom Hannafin. So we're coming off Penn State's bye week weekend. And of course, later on this week, we're going to have a full preview for you guys regarding Michigan versus Penn State. That'll be this Saturday, October 15th at the Big House. That is a huge game for Penn State getting back into Big Ten play, especially off a of bye week. Uh, I cannot wait for that game. But in the interim, we wanted to kind of get back to what we've been doing over the last year uh, as a part of this show is bringing you guys some exclusive interviews with former Penn State players that are really, really special. And when it comes to big game experience, kind of like what we're going to see this weekend, our guest knows all about that. It's former Penn State defensive back Lydell Sargent. Many of you remember Lydell Sargent scored that huge interception late in the game against Ohio State on the road at the Horseshoe. Uh, Terrell Pryor at quarterback, I believe it was 2008. It was a huge moment. And obviously a high-profile matchup, very similar to what we're going to see this weekend between Penn State and Michigan. Matt, when you reflect on what Lydell Sargent has accomplished both at Penn State and as a professional, what comes to mind? Yeah, uh, definitely one of the more impressive you know, student-athletes Penn State has had. 
um, you know, over the past, you know, 15, 20 years or so. I mean, this was a guy who was a second team, all big 10 guy, um, you know, played cornerback, wide receiver, punt returner, did it all for Penn state during, during his time there, but, you know, was certainly a leader, um, you know, and, um, you know, one of those veteran guys who understood his role on the team, um, you know, worked extremely hard, competed extremely hard, um, and made the most of his career, you know? Um, so really fortunate we have him on the show today. Um, and you know, uh, he's somebody who, you know, after his career ended with the Buffalo bills, right. Following that knee injury, he, uh, he's been one of those student athletes, Tom, who's made the adjustment off the field, um, you know, in, into the workplace there, you know, uh, and has done a tremendous job, um, you know, with that. So, uh, so yeah, really, really impressive interview we have, we have for our listeners here today. Lydell Sargent, uh, spent some time working the, uh, for in the athletic department for UCLA. And then now he is the senior associate AD, uh, for Morgan state university, which is an HBCU based in the Baltimore, Maryland area. So very excited about Lydell. Do you have any memories that jump to mind because you guys overlapped in that 2008 <laughs> year? Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. So, uh, you know, uh, Lydell was on one of the better defenses. You know, I talk about Lydell being one of the better student athletes Penn State has seen over the past 15 or 20 years. Like it's, you know, it's part of one of the better defenses ever, you know, I think to play, to play at Penn State, Tom. And unfortunately for me, it was my job to go up against those guys every single day in practice as the scout team quarterback or the card offensive quarterback, whatever they call it this day. They don't even call it a walk on anymore. You're called a run on. I don't know if they're not trying to not hurt feelings or if what. I'm the only one who didn't um, find the Eli Manning, Chad Powers thing like that hysterical. I thought it was cute. It was a little funny, but people are really running with that. Uh, I, I mean, it was it was kind of funny. Um, That's my point. You know, I think people are losing like, their minds yeah, over. I'm like, I mean, chill out. if if you if you believe that he was like a real person. <laughs> I think you're, you're, you know what I mean? Like you had to be clueless. Like if yeah. you were a coach, you know, there and you're saying, no, I think this powers kid is good or whatever like that. It's like, look at him. Cl- clearly, right. they, clearly this, this isn't he real. His old uh, New York giants cleats on. I mean, come you on. You know, um, and like for me, like I obviously play in the quarterback position. You study a lot of quarterbacks. Um, I would have known from like the first throw. I've been like, all right, well, I mean, clearly this guy's playing football before. And two, he looks exactly like Eli Manning. He yeah. throws the ball, his footwork, the way he moves. Like, he looks exactly like Eli Manning. Uh, but he's it, also 6'6", anyway. 6'6", Right. Uh, so, anyway, back on subject. You were a walk-on, Lydell, yeah. part of this great defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but no, that, again, and going against guys, guys like him, you know, every single day, um, you know, and the competition was great, you know, for me. Right. It forced me to get better, um, you know, and it's one of those things where, you know, it, we we had this great relationship between that first team defense and the scout. O and the card. O, um, because they knew, you know, we were working our tails off to get them better every single day. But we were also working our tails off so so we can get better and going up against those guys every day, man. I, I mean, you had to get better. You had to bring it every single day, man, because those guys were elite from the front four to the secondary, to the corners, to the linebackers, man, that was an impressive defense. Um, and Lydell was a massive part of it. And he was part of that 
gigantic wave of recruiting in the mid 2000s and we've talked about it before when a lot of people were counting out Penn State a lot of mm -hmm. people were counting out Joe Paterno as a, a head coach calling for him to either resign or be fired and Lydell Sargent came in along with a slew of other extraordinarily talented guys on both sides of the ball and really helped resurrect the Penn State football program and led to some remarkable things so uh, without further ado, let's get to our special guest at this time. It's Rhonda Sargent's baby boy. Here's Lydell. Joining us now here on Paydirt is former Penn State defensive back, former NFL defensive back, Lydell Sargent. Lydell, thank you so much for joining us. You obviously still have your ties to Penn State as a part of the, uh, the Letterman's Club. You're the president of the Letterman's Club presently, but you're also working elsewhere in sports. You're recently working for UCLA, and now you're at Morgan State in Baltimore. What is your role now at Morgan State? Yeah, first, thank you, Tom. Thank you, Matt, for, for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of the interviews with some of my former teammates, and anytime I get a chance to, to connect with Matt again, it's always great. So I uh, love your show. Continue. Anything I can do, please let me know. But, yeah, I, I'm at Morgan State now. It's an HBCU, historically black college university at Baltimore. Uh, excited. I'm the senior associate AD, so I really handle all external facets, fundraising, corporate sponsorships, ticketing, communications, marketing, uh, and I developed my expertise really in, in, in fundraising. Uh, did that at, at UCLA, uh, did a $5 billion campaign there, uh, and, and really you know, was at Marquette, Utah Valley, a little bit everywhere across the country. And so uh, it's, it's been a good ride for me being in this industry and, and getting some things done. It's been really spectacular to see a resurgence uh, for historically black colleges and universities over the last, I'd say, five to 10 years, and especially in the last few years, uh, whether it be college football, college basketball, you name it. Uh, what was it that attracted you specifically to the job at Morgan State? Yeah, well, you know, it, it was it, really it was before this big social justice movement that happened. Right. And so for me, you know, being at the fundraiser at UCLA, like I said, doing that large campaign there, I, I just really got an expertise in fundraising. And I realized, well, you know, we call them prospects, which are folks that are, you know, would be willing to philanthropically support your organization. I said, well, the prospects for HBCUs is a lot larger than any institution I've been to. Right. So uh, just to give you an example, a lot of the prospects at Penn State are going to be alum, people who are in the local community or people who have some type of tie to the institution. Whereas HBCUs, the prospect pool, just you just need to have an affinity for underserved minority higher education, right? And so that really expanded really the entire country, right? And so I said, there is a huge opportunity here that um, our, the HBCU institutions weren't taken advantage of in their philanthropic infrastructure. And I was really extending the outreach to the entire country, right? So as a historically black college and university, are we reaching the Robert Smiths? Are we reaching the Oprah Renfries? Are we doing that? And so really being able to see that opportunity, I said, man, I got to jump ship and really see if I can get this done. And uh, we've been able to do that. Obviously, the social justice movement um, posted George Floyd um, uh, situation was was a catalyst for us to you know bring in some big gifts. Mackenzie Scott gave us forty million dollars. Uh, we secured the largest donation in the history of HBCU athletics from a, a guy by name Mike Novogratz, who's a hedge fund manager out of New York, Cornell grad, 
And so really, you know, some folks who didn't previously had connections to HBCUs were able to bring them in the fold. So that's what attracted me to this position. Lydell, I remember when I was in school that you were a part of a, a rally on the old main lawn that was supporting then presidential nominee uh, Barack Obama. So obviously um, supporting your community, getting into politics and then working in this world that does involve quite a bit of fundraising was something you were touching on in college. But did you ever see that it played out the way that it has and the stops that you've made since the NFL? Yeah, you know, well, you know, on the Obama side, my, my dad's in the military and my dad, uh, he went to Afghanistan my senior year in high school. So my dad actually missed my senior year of football season, which, you know, I was I was all American at the time. So it was it, it was a it was an impactful time for me to have not have my father there. Right. And particularly for him to be overseas and uncertainty of whether or not he would survive and be able to come back. Right. And so that was an experience that I got at 18 years old. And that really was, I would say, my introduction to politics. Right. Uh, I was of age to understand it, but also I had experienced it. And so whenever Barack Obama originally came out and being able to see him in the Democratic National Convention, but particularly he was running on ending the war in Afghanistan, right? Um, which was something that a, a, a particular, you know, initiative that I felt was dear to my heart. Um, but to circle back on my military background, I, I grew up in Germany, uh, you know, grew up in Pittsburgh, went to high school in, in, in uh, Southern California. And so I, I developed an ability to communicate amongst a diverse group of people, cultures, age groups, and so that really is my unique specialty. And it just so happened that fundraising was something that really fit that skill. And that, to be honest with you, it was the first job that I got. And, you, you know, Matt, you know, you know, when you're out of the NFL, you're just like, hey, well, what's the job that I can get to make me some money so I'm not <laughs> saving, right? And so I'm shooting out, you know, hundreds of resumes. And, they, you know, I got a call from a, a school in Utah Valley or in Utah. I was like, man, you know, heart of Mormon, you know, uh, um, uh, Mormon uh, community. I said, hey, I might be sticking not like a sore thumb, but it's an opportunity for me to get my uh, feet in the door and, and start working. Going back to the re recruiting process, you know, for you, Lydell, as you mentioned, you grew up in Pittsburgh. You were recruited out of California. You're one of the better football players in all of the state of California. But when you look at that, like how important was it for you to go to Penn State? Right. Because, I mean, you chose Penn State over schools like Stanford, Oregon. So growing up in the Pittsburgh area, was it always I want to go to Penn State because I understand the importance of being a well-rounded student athlete, an important member of the community. And, and being a student athlete at Penn State is where I can get that. Yeah, I'm going to be frank with you. Like I did, football wasn't really something when I was growing up that I was like, yeah, you know, this is a place that I want to go and play football. I was a baseball player, basketball and then football just so happened to work out because I stopped growing, right? And so a, a guy, you know, 5'9", five, 5'10", five, guy, there's only but so many things you're going to play, and I wasn't throwing the ball that far enough. Uh, and so for me, you know, Justin King and I grew up together, right, in Pittsburgh. My dad ran ROTC at the University of Pittsburgh, and so Justin and I, we've been best friends since fourth grade. Now, Justin's stepfather is Terry Smith, who's now the DB coach. So Terry, um, prior to my relationship with Justin, Terry coached me growing up. Uh, he coached me. He was our basketball coach, ninth grade basketball coach. And so I always had, I knew about Penn State via Terry Smith, 
right? In that, um, but whenever I went to the West Coast, obviously Reggie Bush days, USC, Oregon, Chip Kelly days, Stanford, I was, you know, National Honor Society in high school. So, you know, really focused on the academic side, you know, Stanford was those things. Um, but then when it, we had the opportunity, Justin and I, to, to, to really play together, we took our visit together to Northwestern, we had an opportunity to play together. And then once you, as you know, Matt, once you have an opportunity to sit down or your parents have an opportunity to sit down with Coach Paterno, that's really when everything, the, 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 everything really comes together, right? He was the one coach that didn't talk about football on the visit. And those are the things, you know, there's some, some special things that coach did that was just unique and different than everybody else. And so all together, those things led us to that. And they were four and eight. So we said, hey, we can play right away, which is, <laughs> which is also, uh, you know, something that, you know, all guys should really think about if you yeah. really have some talent of what's a place that I can play. And if I can play, I'll put on. Well, that's important too, because, you know, certainly when you look at it, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, well, you know, nobody has the intentions of going in saying, I want a red shirt. Everyone wants to play. Everybody thinks they can play immediately. Right. You know, and that's, yeah. but that's, that's yeah. the mindset that you have to have. You know, you, you mentioned Joe, you know, how impactful was it for you, you know, to, to have the opportunity to play for Joe and also to play for Tom Bradley? Yeah. Well, scrap Tom, Tom Bradley scrap. Um, one, he's from Pittsburgh, so we got that Pittsburgh connection. But he recruited me out of, out of, uh, out of California, him and uh, Brian Norwood. Mm -hmm. And I joked with them. It was just their opportunity to leave State College in the winter and uh, come to Southern California. That's why, <laughs> you know, one of their main reasons for recruiting me. You know, but, you, you know, you, you had the experience, right? And I tell people all the time, Coach Paterno, we, we had a meeting every day. And every day he would come in and read a quote. And the quote was not sports related. Right. And so you take that a combination of, you know, four years, you're talking 1400 days of a guy giving you knowledge from 18 to 22. Right. And some of those days you're like, I have no clue what this guy's talking about. And then you get older and you say, wow, that's what he was talking about. Right. And so, you know, those are some of the things was, that were so special with coach. Then obviously he was a winner and, and just such a, a national profile that altogether it's like, Man, these are some no-brainer things that I want to play for this guy. Um, and he talked about doing the things the right way. But he was also transparent about what their experience is being a black man in America. Right. And that's something that he didn't shy about was preparing us, um, particularly um, his African-American players, on what it would be like in the real world once you leave this football entity and take this jersey off. And so to get that type of perspective and, and, and to understand that he understood what the experiences were, I mean, that, that's really invaluable. Yeah, man. I, I, and it's funny that, that you bring that up about, you know, the older you get, the more you look back and realize just how, you know, important some of those life lessons you learn actually are. Um, you know, and for me, um, you know, I tell people all the time, like I learned more about life in those four years you know, playing for Joe than I did about football. Right. Yeah. And I say, and then I say for my fifth and my fifth and final year, I got a PhD in football, you know, for, uh, you know with Bill O'Brien and his staff. So I, I got the best of both worlds learning about right. life and then learning about football. So, you know, I was very fortunate to have two coaches, you know, two head coaches really that, you know, were able to make such an impact on, on my life and, and on my career. Um, when you do look back though, what were some of your, your best moments, uh, you know, as a Penn State student athlete? 
I mean, outside of I, I mean, we Joe recruited. I mean, Penn State is so unique in that it's such a diverse group of people that come together, guys that come together, right? You're talking mm-hmm. about the entire Northeast, some Southern guys, some guys out West, right? So, I mean, just the relationship I built, right, are 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 the things that have sustained my you know my my experience at Penn State. But obviously, us winning the Big Ten twice. Right. Uh, you know, winning the Orange Bowl, going to the Rose Bowl, um, all of those things, especially bringing back the, res- the, the resurgence of what Coach Paterno was. Right. Because he was going through a little downturn. But to really be able to get that back to where the place where he deserved and, of being a national prominence and, and, and really one of the top football programs in the country. I mean, for us to do that, the publicity, ESPN, all those things. Right. Um, those those are those are memorable moments. Are you a fan of rivalries? Are you a fan of smack talk? Do you like to stand out from the crowd at tailgates? If so, head over to Smack Apparel and check out what their team is geared up for this football season. Their Let There Be White tee is the perfect gear for those famous whiteout games at Beaver Stadium. Or get straight to the point with the worst tee for all the Ohio State haters out there. Smack Apparel makes the gear that'll have everyone asking where you got it. They have the must-have tees for all your teams, including pro football, baseball, basketball. Every fan is covered. Head over to their website, smackapparel.com, and use the promo code PAYDIRT at checkout for 10% off. Again, that's smackapparel.com, promo code PAYDIRT at checkout. Why wear boring when you can wear smack? Well, I, I got one that I think might jump out. Um, October of 2008 at the Horseshoe in Columbus, Ohio. Right. Uh, you get the pick very late in the fourth quarter to seal a win for Penn State against Ohio State. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm, my notes are uh, serving me correctly, Penn State at the time was number three. Ohio State was number nine. Um, Daryl Clark went down with an injury. Pat Devlin had to come in and then you get this big pick at the end. What was that sensation like? Well, we were only one injury away from Matt McGloin coming in. I know. Yeah, 2008. And, and, yeah. Yeah. Into that. I didn't make, I didn't make the trip. I was yeah. red shirt at that year. Oh, they didn't I know think, the power yet. They didn't know the power I, yet. They didn't. They, they no, didn't. they knew it because I was dominating on the scout team. Yeah, yeah, uh, right, yeah, yeah. But I think <laughs> I think I think had Pat Devlin been injured that game, it would have been Paul Cianciolo. Cianciolo. Who, wow. Who would have yeah. played? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's great. Well, you know, one of the things that happened is we knew that they hadn't won there in so long. Right. And and, and for us, you know, having beaten Ohio State the freshman year at our house. And Joe not having beaten that. And that had been, at the time, the, the highest-ranking team that I had been on, um, especially during the season. In 05, we got ranked high after we beat Florida State. But we didn't go into the bowl number three in the nation. So at that time, that was the highest-ranking team that we had had in those four years. And so to be able to have that opportunity to go in there and to go into the and go into the, um, the shoe – and really be able to win and come out with a victory during that was, was, you know, I mean, that's, that's memorable moments, man. And obviously to get the the pick and the highlights and the, and all those things that come from that particular play is good, but man, she had four or five division. I mean, first round defensive guys that are mm-hmm. in that front seven. And so, 
um, you know, that was just part a product of that. But, you know, that, that was obviously a, a catalyst in my career and great opportunity for me to, to do that on the, on the highest stage. One of the subplots for that game was Ohio State quarterback Terrell Pryor. Now, he's a Jeanette, Pennsylvania kid. He kind of spurned Penn State, went to Ohio State. So there was that feeling for Penn State fans uh, that he was the villain in that game uh, and for his entire career, frankly, at Ohio State, if you're a Penn State fan. Um, was that something in the back of your minds at all? Because he was such a hyped up talent and a very good college quarterback. You give him credit. But yeah. what was that atmosphere like? Because I remember the national media saying nothing but Terrell Pryor, Terrell Pryor, Terrell Pryor. Yeah. I mean, we were so good. We really didn't care, to be honest with you. Right. And Matt knows. I mean, like our practices, when you talk about like that uh, 08, our practices, offensive line, defense, you're talking Remington award winner versus two first rounders, right? You got Devin Steele, you got Jared Oldrick, you got Sean Lee, you got Navarro Bowman, you got Rich Hornberger, right? I mean, you're Aaron talking Mabin. about Aaron Mabin, right? You're talking about dudes. And and so, and, and, and then Daryl was such a good quarterback and we were so confident in that room. Our receivers were some of the best in the country, in the country. And so we knew how good we were, right? And it was more or less how do we go into a hostile environment and execute our game plan from that standpoint. And so I think that was more of a national media hype than necessarily us, you know, trying to uh, really prepare for any one particular person. In regards to you talk about some of the dudes on the defensive side of the ball that you get to line up with, and it's something that Matt and I have talked about on Pater before is that ridiculous wide receiver core that existed for the bulk of your time there. And I'm talking about Jordan Norwood, Derek Williams. Um, I'm forgetting Dion Butler. Can't forget about Dion Butler. I mean, how freaking difficult was it to line up on defense every week and just be like, I got to deal with these guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, me and Justin came in originally playing both ways, right? I was the number one athlete in the state of California. So we, I played a little wide receiver and we both played, you know, nickel D, uh, dime. Um, and then, as well. Yeah, right. And then what ended up happening because, you know, Jordan was a gray shirt and Dion was a red shirt cornerback. Right. But what ended up happening was like as the season went on, our freshman year was like, these dudes are like legit wideouts. Right. And then you have you have Derek, obviously, being the profile that he is and the skill, the talent that he was. So then once they graduate, we immediately said, hey, let's go over to the defensive side because these guys are just killing it. Right. And so, um, but to that end, when you talk about iron sharpens iron, right. When, when, you know, we had me and Justin, um, you know, we had, you know, Scarada was first team, all big 10, um, you know, Ruben, uh, Tony Davis. So we had some, some guys in the secondary. So, I mean, like I said, to be able to battle with those guys every day, I mean, we weren't seeing anybody that was better than those guys. No. And the con the competition was incredible day in and day out. And again, that was my first year of part of the program. So imagine what a preferred walk-on walking <laughs> in was, was thinking when he's seeing that talent on both sides of the ball. But at the same time, Tom, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, like I went against that defense every single day. No, thank you. Yeah. During the, during the season at practice. And like, I love the competition. I really did. And I remember Vandy, Scrap, 
everybody used to yell at me, Lydell, because I never threw it to where I was supposed to throw it. You know, you get yeah. the car, the car yeah, offense yeah, right, here. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. And they yeah. circle the route. They circle yeah. the route. And then it's like, Matt, you got to throw it to the circle. I'm like, I'm not throwing it there. He's not open. I'm going to throw it yeah. to the open guy if there yeah. is an open guy. Yeah. But yeah. I think that's what that's what was great. That I think that's what made everybody better is we had that competition. We had guys that wanted to compete, guys that wanted to get better, man. So that looking back at for how tough that was, God, man, it made everybody better. It was a lot of fun. You know, I, 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 enjoy, I enjoyed that, that first year there. Cause it, it, again, man, it, it made, you know, it made me such a better player and it kind of forced me to hit the ground running. Um, you know, when, when you look at, you know, your Penn state career um, and, and again, you know, you mentioned how great some of those teams were that, uh, you know, you were a part of here, you go undrafted with the bills. What was that first year like for you? Obviously you were injured how tough was that for you to kind of realize that, you know, that, that was it, that was, you know, a career ending injury and, you know, I'm, I'm essentially done with football. Is that tough for you? Yeah, it was a little bit right. <clears throat> um, and that I didn't put all of who I was in football. Right. And, and a lot of that stuff, like the Obama stuff, you know, academics, some of the outreach stuff <clears throat> helped me particularly my senior year, diversify myself. Right. And so that I wasn't fully dependent on it. <clears throat> what ended up happening, you know, with the Bills, obviously I had some injuries that showed up big time at the combine, right? And then so you take a, a guy who was of my stature, I'm not the biggest guy, you put a little injuries and you look at, the, you, you look at it on the, uh, on the way they do this prospecting in the NFL, as you know, Matt, you know, some of those things, the measurements weren't adding up, right? But, you, you know, one of my expertise is just my knowledge of the game. Right. And so that's why, you know, your freshman year, my senior year, you know, I played corner and then I moved over, played nickel, played dime, played a little bit outside linebacker. So once I got to the league, I knew every position. Right. And so right, that's right. really what kept me around beyond my injury was like, hey, this guy, and you know, in the league, you know, you're outside linebacker, you're nickel, you're dime. I mean, it's interchangeable. Right. So you got to very much know A gaps, B gaps, who's playing what, what the blitzes are right? What the, what the motions are. And so just my knowledge of the game, it, it really helped me to stick around, if you will, as opposed to, Hey, getting injured and immediately get cut. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and so to be able to have continued opportunities with the bills, with the Ravens, um, you know, that, that really stuck with me was, was my ability of learning the entire defense and in our defensive room at Penn state was the defensive coordinator. And so for good or worse, we didn't learn all that much DB stuff, but we learned the hell out of defensive stuff, right? <laughs> and so having Tom Bradley be our DB coach really learned that the essence of what is, um, you know, defense and all those things. So it was tough, obviously, taking the injury, um, but it was a blessing for me to get out of the, the, the NFL because I wasn't playing for 10 years and to be able to hit the professional world sooner than later. Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard butters, plus hair gels and pomades. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com and use our promo code paydirt 15 Paydirt15 at checkout for 15% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. Lydell, you received your bachelor's degree from Penn State in 2009. You also have your master's degree in sports management studies 
that you got that in 2013. Now, fast forward to today, you're the Letterman's Club president. So how great has that been to, you know, be able to, you know, take on that role and, uh, you know, reconnect with all the former Letterman? Yeah, well, you know, first, Fran Ganner is, is, is a mentor of mine. He's been a mentor of mine since I've played. And this was outside of football um, because, you know, if you've ever interacted with Fran, Fran is a legend at Penn State, former coach, former administrator. I mean, really is the glue um, that is Penn State football, in my opinion. So I had the opportunity to internship, uh, intern under Fran to get my undergraduate degree at Penn State. And that's really what introduced me uh, to the Letterman's Club. He threw me right in and said, hey, you're involved in this club. And so from, t- you know, 10 years later, they've now given me, um, you know, the role as being the president of the club. Um, and a lot of that has been just because I have an expertise in college athletics, but also I've always been the youngest guy that has been at these Letterman Club meetings at 7 a.m. I was always the youngest guy in the room. And so just to having built that 10 years experience in that club and to really be able to take over it, it's the largest paying dues Letterman's Club in the country. And, and really what makes us special. I've worked all around the, around the country at different institutions. What makes us special as a club is that we all have the experiences of one head coach, right? Um, now, since Joe, now you have you know, multiple different head coaches with Bill and, and now Coach Franklin, but you're talking about 40, 50 years of guys that have the same experiences, right? So for better or for worse, you know, Matt and I have the same experiences as Franco Harris. Right. right. Um, and that's unique that you that, that's not duplicated anywhere else in the country. And so we built out a, a fantastic club that helps with internships, job placements, any type of mentorship um, and really just supporting the program philanthropically. And so it's been a, a, a great opportunity for me to lead um, lead that, that club during the, during my uh, time as president. So excited to continue to execute and uh, eventually pass the baton off to the next leader. It's funny that you bring that up, the, 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 uh, being able to, you know, be a part of basically the same program, you know, throughout all, all, all these years and, and all these decades. We had Keith Conlon on and um, we were talking about JT in the weight room and the, the workouts and things like that. But and he, he played in the mid 90s. But it's funny because what he experienced in the mid 90s with JT and, and those workouts, we were able to experience, you know, in the late you know, 2000s and, you know, 2010 and 11 like that. So it's, it's, it's funny, you know, in a way, but, but it's great as well because, you know, we all have that connection and you're right. That's, that's what makes the program so special. And, and speaking of the program, when you look at it now from, you know, 2008 to where it is today in 2022, what's changed? What stays the same? I mean, one, like, we just were athletes, but these guys are athletes, right? <laughs> like, you know, we had some guys, but I mean, you look at the, the dudes that they're bringing in now. I mean, they're just giants and they're running as fast as we were running, right? I, I mean, for a while, you look at like the top 10 40s uh, and it was all, you know, guys like me, defensive back wide receivers. Now it's like linebackers are in that space, right? Tight ends are in that space. So, I mean, that the athletes that they're bringing in, is, is remarkable, right? Uh, I think they still understand the core values. Coach Franklin has, has, has made it his, a mission to make sure we maintain the core values that is Penn State football, um, but also to make sure that he's continuing to connect with the, with the past 
uh, and the guys that laid the foundation to make sure that we're continuing to be Penn State football, right? But, I mean, when you look at the – I mean, the tight ends, the linebackers, the wide – I mean, these guys – I mean, you look at Jahan Dawson. I mean, when's the last time we had a first-round wide receiver? Um, Allen Robinson, right? But these guys are now turning it out year-by-year year basis. And so when you look at the athletes that they're bringing in, the calibers of guys that they have, I think that's really what stands out the most. Lydell, there's been so much change uh, in FBS football. Obviously, you're dealing uh, with the football at the level of Morgan State, but still you're dealing with NIL. You're dealing with all the major changes in the landscape. And what it means to be a college athlete is very different than when you were in school, when Matt was in school. What are your day-to-day experiences like with that? changing landscape with nil yeah you know i think i think it's we're just in the age of transparency right and and you know i, I i'm now a father now and, and and you can no longer i can't parent how my parents parent me right they would tell me something and i would consider it gold right now i tell my daughter and she's you know god bless her she's you know four going on uh, she's going four going on five and she'll look it up Right. Or she'll see it and be like, nah, that's not what you said. Right. But the reason why I'm bringing that up is that if we at the time in 2008 knew the financials of college athletics, I think we would have the same stance that these guys do now. Right. If we would have known like, hey, you know, and it was only 50 million back then. Right. I say only because now it's 150 million. But if it was even if we knew like, hey, these guys are bringing in 50 million and we got to argue about getting another pair of socks. Right. Hey, <laughs> Returno, Right. And, you know, Matt knows because uh, our guy, Kirk, you know, socks and gloves and that we you had to go to spider. Things. Yeah. Right. Got to go to spider. God bless spider, man. He's a legend. And I yeah. absolutely love that guy. Um, but we would have been a lot more demanding, right? Especially with us winning because we knew what we were bringing in. And so now in this age of transparency, these, these, these uh, young men and women, they know uh, what revenue they're bringing in and they understand, well, hey, our lives are, are, are different than the typical student that goes to college. Um, and we're beating ourselves up mentally, physically, emotionally, right? And so how can we get a piece of that pie I think as an industry, everybody's just trying to figure out how to give them that piece of pie before they actually give them the piece of pie, if that makes sense. And so uh, when you look at NIL, when you look at some of these things, it's really, you know, the first steps to the kids getting a piece of the pie, which, you know, uh, all of us former guys, um, we respect and we hope that at some point with all this money flowing in, that they do get an opportunity to, to get what's due owed. It's, it's such an interesting job that you're working in now, Lydell, because I think the average fan sees a change, perhaps an athletic director, and you know there could be some good news behind that person. They have a good reputation. Penn State recently um, had, had Pat Kraft installed as the new AD. But I don't know if the average fan really understands what an athletic director does day to day. Can you give us you know the, the cliff notes of what your job is like day to day? Uh, I don't know. So one of my best friends, Mark Rubin, Wall Street, I mean, he's a, just an absolute stud uh, in, in New York City. I would compare it to a, 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 a Wall Street stock trader, right? In, in that it is seven days a week and it's 12 to 16 hour days, right? Um, because 
when you talk about, you know, take a Penn State athletic program, you're talking about, you know, 32, 34 different sports. And every sport expects you to come to their events, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're talking about, you know, from, from the time season starts, you know, if, in my experiences at UCLA, because we were so good at baseball as well, from the time August until May, literally every weekend is taken up, right? Um, and outside of the sporting events, you're also responsible for some of the discipline and some of the medical and some of the academic issues that come up. Um, you know, you talk about mental health now being uh, uh, um, you know, a resource to the student athletes from a mental health perspective. I mean, it is a job that if I, I, I really want somebody to categorize this in hours and roles because it's expanding at a, at a pace that I don't think anybody really has prepared for. Um, but it, it's a daunting job with a bunch of responsibility because you are responsible for 700 or so student athletes, uh, 34 sports, 34 head coaches, you know, how many, you know, over a hundred assistant coaches. And then you talk about your support staff, fundraising, medicine, academics, um, operations, sponsorships, legal, general counsel, licensing. And so it, it's, it's a full encompassing of a business that requires a lot of time and effort. Sounds exhausting, but, <laughs> but I know what you're doing is for the good of a lot of student athletes. So for that, uh, I, I respect the hell out of that and wish you all the best with everything that you're doing at Morgan State. Uh, before we let you go, um, I, I got to know if you've got any good Matt McGloin stories from when you guys were in school. Uh, it was that brief season, if I recall, just the one year in 2008. But, you know, you got any good anecdotes? I always like to put McGloin on the spot. It's my favorite thing in the world. Well, you know, the, the, the McGloin was a goat before he even played. <laughs> wow. Somehow, OK. Right. I, and, and like I'm like, you know, it, like it's some California dude on Pittsburgh, dude. I'm like, how's this dude getting the love? Right. Um, <laughs> but to that end, when you go into practice and Matt, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I will also refer this to probably your time in Oakland as well. He wasn't doing the shit that we needed him to do. Right. Excuse my language. Right. But he was doing the things that he knew would make him a great player. Right. So when you probably when you probably go back to your time with Oakland. Right. And, and being an undrafted guy and what you have to do to really make yourself better. Right. Um, those are some of those things with Matt. It's like, man, this guy is unorthodox. He's doing his own thing. But, you know, there's a part of him that's like, hey, this guy's kind of getting it done. Right. And he was the younger guy when we were the older guy. Um, but, yeah, Maddie, Maddie, Matt, man, he was the GOAT before he even started playing. So it's always great to see him do his thing in the NFL. And obviously with you all, what you're doing here and and his professional career, it's, 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 it's been great to, to see him thrive. I appreciate that. It means a lot. And, uh, you know, we had uh, Rich Ornberger on the show, you know, a while back. And obviously Rich was a fifth year senior, you know, when I was a freshman. And, uh, you know, I'll say the same thing to you that, that I said to him, you know, I, I appreciate it the way that, you know, the vets and the older guys took care of us freshmen and kind of didn't see us as, you know, annoying freshmen or anything like that. Like, I feel like that that's what was one of the more special parts of the program. And, you know, was that how everybody just looked at everybody like teammates and we were Penn state football players. And, and that's, that's, that's what it, that's what it was. Like we all, you know, competed with one another. We all respected one another. 
you know, and that's, that's what was special about being a Penn state football player. And I know that was important to me as the years went on. And, you know, we all, we all tried to do the same thing. You know, when we were sophomore, junior, seniors, 50 year guys, you treat everybody the same, you respect everybody. We're all there for the same exact reason to be the best, you know, team that we can be and, and, and to be able to embrace our roles. Um, but yeah, it's funny. Cause I would always argue, like, I'm like, I'm not throwing to the circle. You're telling me that we go out there Saturday afternoon and there's five guys surrounding this route here that this big 10 quarterback isn't going to look backside and throw the end cut. No, he's not going to do that. So I'm not going to do it either. So, but so you're Matt, right. For, hey, that's, for yeah. those that don't know, the scout team quarterback is supposed to do that. Like it doesn't oh, yeah. matter what you think independently. They're trying to simulate what the other team is doing. Right. You get, I'll give you a, a quick example. So you get a little card that you look at right before the play. Right. And the defense knows what the play is because they right. prepare them. So we're running the plays that they're going to see on Saturday afternoon. Right. So if it is a post route, Tom, and there's a big red circle on the post route, Matt, throw it to the post route. And I drop back and Lydell's there and, you know, Scarado and, and everybody else is back there covering it up. I'm not throwing it there. I'm not throwing a pick and making myself look bad. I'm sorry. It's not happening. So I'll check it down. I'll throw it somewhere else. And that's usually where I got yelled at. But you know what, man? I knew I was going to get yelled at. So I did it anyways. But hey, I like to think I made every I made everybody better. That was at least my mentality. Well, if you would have thrown, a, if you're sorry for swearing, that's a that's a normal word in Pittsburgh. Uh, but <laughs> but it, you know, if you were, if you yeah yeah if you were throwing uh, if you were throwing those picks, you might have never been the starter, and they might have been the legend that you were, man. So exactly, you know, man. You I appreciate right that. Idea. Yep, you got it. Lydell, we really appreciate the time. Best of luck to everything that you're doing at Morgan State. And I know you got an extraordinarily bright future altogether. Thank you for everything you're doing with the Letterman's Club. And we really appreciate your time here on Pater. Awesome. Thanks, Tom. Congrats to you guys again. Thanks, Matt. It's good to see you. I appreciate it. Thank you all so much for joining us. We'll be back on ESPN Radio State College on Mondays and Fridays from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern for the remainder of the Penn State football season. If you want to check out the podcast version of this show presented by the Believe Network, this episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter at ESPN Radio 1037 at QB 11 and at Tom Hannafin. Pater is presented by Bet Online and by Funk Brewing. Thanks again, everyone, and join us next week for more Pater. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.